Hey guys, welcome to our podcast, uh, episode hey two. All right, so we get started in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 4, 8. Uh, I want to start with the first verses here, 16 to 17. All scriptures breathed out by God, and then there's a list here. Teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. I thought that was kind of interesting. I think this is an example of like how we're supposed to live our lives, Christian life. It's talking about the Word of God, as we know, through 2 Timothy. That's a big theme. Uh, but Apostle Paul, through his own life, um, I think this is he's modeling it here. 25% of this list is teaching, and Apostle Paul definitely did that. And how do we learn Christian truths? I mean, how do we learn anything in life, like chemistry, biology? It's like we get classes, we have lectures, and that's similar like sermons, Bible studies, DT sharings, or DT times. And But then there's the lab portion, which is like this other 75%, the reproof, correction, and training, and righteousness. And man, I think that's a tough part, because that's like living it out. That's actually life on life. That's the lab. That's living together with your peers, that's getting uh, feedback from other people, learning about yourself and growing as a disciple. That's real discipleship, not just like the booklet, of course, through a one or something, right? It's that nitty gritty. I think like getting corrected, getting feedback, like here it talks about, that's really tough. I was thinking about lessons in, in life, like in basketball when I was growing up and had to play basketball. Um, my coach, like I could definitely watch videos, games, study, tape, and and even read about it. But there's just something that's important is just being in the lab, being out on the court, and the coach helping me get the right stance, be good defensively, to move quickly. And when we didn't, then we would have to run suicides and get punished like that, right? And it's the coach that's helping shape and mold me. And I think that's a lot of what Christian life is like. Our mentors, our leaders, even our peers can do that, uh, helping us get feedback. And I think it's a big point of the, that that text is about getting feedback so that we can grow and mature into uh, to be equipped for every good work, to be complete. And that word complete means able to meet all demands. So that's really the goal here, that God's word would help us to do this through uh, people really working in our lives. So in chapter four, it says, I charge you. And he's, um, it's a, it sounds really formal because he's saying, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. And, and then he reminds, you know, Timothy that it's going to be God that judges him um, in the end. And then he starts um, listing out the things that he's charging him to do. It's preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. So I was thinking about how this is such a daunting list. Um, and But, you know, we have to understand what the context is. The context is so important. And he gives us the context in, in verses 3 and 4. He says, the time's coming when people will not endure sound teaching. And instead, what they're going to do is they're going to gather people around them that tell them what they want to hear. And so um, what he's going to be facing is actually rejection and opposition. And um, he needs to be ready for when people reject and um, don't accept what he's going to be saying and where they don't accept sound teaching. And so um, in, in because of that context, he needs to be ready in season and out of season and preach the word. And um, I was thinking about each of those things. Preach the word. That's going to require knowing the word enough to be able to preach it. And in order to preach it, you actually need to be following it yourself or else you won't be able to credibly preach it. And it needs to be something that you've already started to bank your life on. It means that you need to be familiar with preaching it to yourself and understanding it from an experiential perspective in order to be able to preach to somebody else and to teach them. And so often I, you know, for in my own experience, I find that I have to always preach to myself. And this is the way I, this is the kind of counsel that I tell other people that they should 
preach to themselves. You know, you don't need someone else to preach to you. You can preach to yourself. And when our emotions are raging or when we we don't feel like doing things, we need to be familiar with preaching to ourselves and preaching the word back to ourselves. And so, um, yeah, that's what that's the kind of work we need to engage in. And then also be ready in season and out of season. You know, every time I read that, it's really challenging because what that implies is that there's no room for rest. And that's the thing that we're always seeking for. We're always kind of looking for when is the next time that I can take a break or, um, you know, rest. But he's saying we need to be ready in season, out of season. We need to be vigilant. And there is no time for rest. And that's really challenging. And the, it's because of the context, because always, um, you know, there's going to be opposition and we need to be ready. And um, and the rest of the, the, you know, what he says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. I mean, those things are um, really daunting. But I took comfort in what it says in verse 16, you know, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. I was just thinking, you know, that's the the tool that we have. We have the Word of God, and it's not just up to us, but we have the Word of God to help um, equip us for every good work. Yeah, going back to uh, that point about the sound teaching, I was thinking about that and how what what is the sound teaching that he's talking about, and it's in opposition to those who have itching ears to accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And I think, man, today there's a lot of of different teachers out there, and we can find them on the internet, find them anywhere to hear what we want to hear. But what is that sound teaching is talking about? And I think it's the basic gospel, like what I was saying: preach the word, preach to yourself. What is it? Is that God is a creator? He's the King. He's the Lord. We owe all devotion to him. And who are we? We are the creatures. And in fact, we are sinful creatures, that we are ones who have rebelled against God. Like that's the basic truth. I think what the world often wants to tell us so that we can hear what our itching ears want to hear is that we're actually not that bad, that we're good, that we're um, special, loved. And I mean, and we are. God sees us that way. But it's to the point where we want to refuse to acknowledge that we're sinful, refuse to acknowledge anything that we've done wrong and want to see only ourselves in the best light possible. But that's just not true. And I think this therapeutic mindset has become pervasive throughout our culture. And, uh, you know, it infects all of us that we think more about our personal well-being and how good we are as opposed to the truth of what the gospel tells us is that we're sinful people in need of a savior. And that's a sound teaching we need to come back to again and again. And then lastly, I just wanted to end with this picture of finish the race. Uh, verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And uh, I think just one of the, the pictures of Christian life here, in endurance and finishing strong, finishing the race. And we've been talking about this through perseverance and through the heroes of faith. And I just think about one story in particular, you know, it's a good preacher story that I, that I heard about from, um, from the Olympics. Uh, John Stephen Akawari, uh, who was a world-class distance runner in the 1960s, and he was running and competing in the Olympic marathon in Mexico City. Uh, and he was about halfway through, and then at some point he ended up falling because there was a little jostling between the runners. He wounded his knee and his shoulder hit the pavement hard. In fact, his leg was bleeding and his knee was apparently dislocated. And even the medical staff told him he needed to withdraw. He didn't. And he continued limping, walking, running, and then he ended up finishing the race among the 57 competitors. And he finished about an hour after the winner had crossed the finish line. By then the sun had set and there were only a few thousand people left in the stadium. But of course, as he finally crossed the finish line, the cheer came from the small crowd. 
When interviewed later, they asked him why he ignored the advice to pull out and continue running. And John Steele Akwari said, my country did not send me 10,000 miles just to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. And I was thinking about how we honor and remember people like him because they finished the race in the most difficult circumstances. And then what's the application for us about finishing? I think maybe we could have wandered or we've been distracted or we could even have fallen or been hurt badly. And maybe that's because of our own sins or because of other things. But um, no matter what, we're encouraged to finish the race. So whether we walk or stumble, limp, it doesn't matter. We need to finish that race strong and keep pushing and persevering. So just thought that's an encouraging last word from this passage. So. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.